0: This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. Welcome back to the podcast. Boy, here in Pennsylvania, it's like fall swooped in overnight. It was hot and dry and hot and dry. Maybe you heard me talking about it. We're having to water the garden, water the bushes. We actually lost a a really nice bush. I don't know what this thing is called. It's like a mini pine tree or so. We're really fortunate with some beautiful gardens, but boy, did they take a beating this summer with the heat. And then all of a sudden, boom, I think it was like Thursday morning I woke up, 62 degrees outside. And boy, did that feel good. It felt really good to me, actually. Some of you know I had a concussion a year ago in July, and I'm still dealing with some um, symptoms from that, I guess, fallout. I, I don't know if it's ever going to go away, quite frankly. It's severe ringing in my ears, hearing loss, vision loss, throbbing, constant throbbing in my head, um, and then the heat. The heat really affects me. So, uh, you know, I'm still kind of navigating through this, you know, first year off of the concussion. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's going to stick around, but I know that when the weather shifted here to to cool and dry, boy, I just felt like a different person. And I've been doing a little something for my back. If you know, uh, I spend a lot of time taking care of my, my beat up old back And, uh, you know, I get help from my chiropractor, but, you know, he can't do it alone. we got to work together. we got to work as a team here for this little project. I'll tell you something I've done recently. You heard me talking about the hanging, which led to the doggone concussion. I'll talk about the the hanging part of it a little bit, but there's something else that I discovered that I think you're going to like if you've ever dealt with back issues, and even if you don't uh, follow my specific advice. It's not. I'm not even going to give you advice. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a chiropractor. I'm not. I'm just a guy with a podcast, like Steve Bannon, just like the media calls Steve Bannon. Just a guy with a podcast. That's all, and a bad back. <laughs> so uh, you know, maybe you can learn a few things from me. But we'll do that at the end. Uh, I want to just briefly touch on something. I mentioned last week that boy did I create cr- quite a tizzy, which. You know, I guess the uh, gaslighter narcissist in me, you know, kind of enjoys seeing the way people get worked up about it. Um, I guess, first of all, I should have explained a little more where I was coming from, and I shouldn't have just thrown that out there without really uh, thinking it through. You know, sometimes I think out loud, and it can be my worst enemy. Uh, here's where I'm at with any format changes to the podcast. As I mentioned as I was talking about that, we really uh, – really uh honed in on this 40 minute deal and i feel like it's worked really really well it, you know the feedback has been good it's been consistent it keeps me contained you know a lot of days i could go on probably an hour and a half no problem uh, but at some point you got to cap it and even for myself i'm like do i really want to listen to that for an hour and a half and the answer is no who has that kind of time now you might be Listening with it as background music, but I don't have time to be your wallpaper, right? Um, I got to get to a point, which is really what drove that whole conversation, why I brought it up. You know, I like what I most enjoy is meaningful conversation, meaningful dialogue, meaningful information. Um, you know what I mean? That's why I think I tried stand up comedy. Had a great time for a year, but just didn't want to continue with it because it wasn't meaningful. You're just regurgitating the same stupid jokes, and every joke is stupid after you've heard it first. You know what I mean? It's it's once and done, and so it just um, it was it was a lot of fun. I like making people laugh. That's I guess somewhat meaningful if you can find meaning in that. You know, maybe you go around to hospitals or something to make people laugh. There's meaning in that. I'm not taking that away from it, but for me. It wasn't the kind of meaning that I wanted to create, and that's what kind of land not's not like what kind of is what landed me on the podcast—that I would have an opportunity for uh, long format dialogue that could create meaningful dialogue. And so when I talked about a format change. That's really what I was trying to get. Like, how do I better make a point? I, I like to ramble on. I appreciate the personal connection. I like sharing the personal stories and struggles and and things like that. And that's how we've generated a relationship, and that's really what, what makes the, the podcast, I think, special and unique. Uh, but beyond that, I, I still have this desire to use my voice and my goofy way of looking at things to get people to, to think uh, and hopefully um, you know, make decisions that are going to be, be better for us, our communities, In our country, right? I guess it's a little uh, altruistic, but that's really the goal. I've been motivated by others, the great orators who have done these things. So, here's what I settled on, and to make this point, I'm going to go back a little bit to before we moved into this house and got this new studio. Uh, and it wasn't that that was the trigger. It was just for whatever reason. I'll, I actually I do know why now that I talk about it. Why things changed. But here's how I used to prepare for the podcast. Back two and a half years, and this was an evolution. This wasn't all, all the time leading up to that. But you know, I, I think I mentioned I went from a single topic podcast. That's really what that's what's got us on the map. And that's kind of I was like, well, if it worked then, why wouldn't it work again? Well, because the audience is different. And thank you for those of you that reminded me of that. Like, we don't have to go back to doing that because we're going to have our, our base, if you will. We just want to be able to attract new people. And, and part of this was also triggered by the feedback uh, from my brother Mike in Kokomo, who explained to me how he listens to podcasts, which is a slightly different than the way I listen, which is probably a little different than the way you listen. How do we bring that all together? Well, back two and a half years ago, I had topics – my list of topics, so Second Amendment. healthcare was on there. Lately, we really haven't talked about that because we're just settled on this unaffordable health care act. People just accept it now. It's too hard to change. I say get rid of it all. Abandon it all in favor of it. I could give you a simple answer on that. I've been talking about it now for over five years. And the simple answer to the, the health insurance uh crisis, when you look at the pricing for for old people and, and this whole crap with the the overpriced pharmaceuticals, the pharmaceutical companies building their own little uh, countries as far as economic scale is concerned, you got to deregulate the whole thing, just regulate it like, like other insurances are in a very simple fashion. Anyway, I don't want to turn the podcast into a, a healthcare uh, podcast, but um, leading up to this point, Leading up to two and a half years ago, I had topics that I would talk about. And then I would look for information that fit. And it was a long list. I still have all of those notes. Uh, so the Second Amendment, uh, Democratic Socialism. Um, I could pull up the notes. Let me just see if I can pull it up here real quickly. But what it did is uh, we had – and I wouldn't necessarily talk about more than one topic. So just because I was going to talk about the Second Amendment – Didn't mean in in the same, uh, you know, hour-long podcast or whatever it might be that uh, I might not talk about, you know, uh, a variety of other things. I don't know. Nothing really comes to my mind. Um, But I would spend time kind of topic by topic. Well, somehow between then and now, it's just ended up most days, most days, into this very rambling, hodgepodge, eclectic collection of headlines, and I just I, I don't it's not not my best uh, approach. I don't think. So, let me give you the topics. This is funny. You now this this list grew from day one. Abortion, airline travel. Maybe I could talk about that again. Big corporations, climate change, the Constitution, corruption, culture, debt, taxes, and government spending. i got to bring some of this back. Division and politics, elections, fake news, the federal government, Second Amendment, health care, immigration, income inequality, uh, liberals, liberalism, one world government, opioids, patriotism, Plastics in the environment, policing socialism trump trump specifically trump russia collusion, oh, don't make me get into that technology, I loved talking about technology at one time. We should get back to that the way our world is changing, why it's changing so quickly, veterans issues, legalized marijuana those were the that was the list of topics, and so. What I would do, I would naturally, and I would just collect things. It wouldn't necessarily always be current events. wasn't always necessarily talking about the news of the day, but rather de- delving into a subject. That was the difference. Does that make sense? And as I'm putting together all of the feedback from Alan, you know, said, "Hey, Chris, you know, you didn't used to talk about these local political issues." Well, that's that. There's pros and cons to that, right? I am going to talk about that some more because I think there's some interesting things that I'm learning locally that you can apply where you're at, just like when I talk about things personally. But I understand the point and say, well, how does this relate to me if I'm talking about the Senate race or the governor's race in Pennsylvania, if you're not from Pennsylvania? Maybe you have a mild interest, but generally speaking, I don't pay attention to what, I don't even know who the the governor of half these states is. I just don't know. How could you keep track of all that? Why would you? Anyway, uh, I want to take a little bit deeper dive into subjects. And and the subject at hand today is, uh, is the economy, okay? And, you know, it's something that's on everybody's mind right now, I think. You know, uh, whether you're young and you're concerned about gas prices and housing costs, or you're older and you're concerned about retirement, or you are retired and you're concerned about – you know keeping place keeping pace with inflation, which is always a concern when you're retired. but I want to as I get into that subject a little bit here, and maybe we'll even let this go a little long today, just to kind of kind of break into this this new era of the Christopher Scott show. All right, I want to say a, this a tweak, a tweak to the format I'm going to go back. To two and a half years ago in the and I'm not saying I won't do the eclectic diatribes of current events when warranted. And we used to do that on Fridays, right? Fridays was reserved for that, just to kind of you know get out anything that was on my mind that was bugging me or or, or had me fired up or I thought was interesting or or caught my attention or what have you, emails and whatnot. We do that on Fridays, but the other days I want to I want to kind of talk about things a little bit. And and try to develop a little bit of a philosophical view. And one last point I'll make before I get into this. This podcast has been as much an evolution in the the changing of my philosophy, my thinking, my perspective as anything. If you go back and I'll readily admit it to you. You say, that's not what you were saying four years ago. Right. Because I'm not the same person. I've got more information now. So naturally... I'm going to change how I feel about it. I'm not hiding that. And I don't think it's, um, uh, what the heck is the word I'm looking for, you know, when you contradict yourself. I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. Uh, it's just a change of perspective, and I, I can explain to you how and why, and, and I will as we go along if necessary. But to get into this, this idea of the economy and just to take a step back, I got an email from uh, our buddy Dan in Chicago. He asked the question is craftsmanship dead? And he went on uh, quite a quite a talk about that that I thought was was really interesting. My father was an incredible craftsman and you know some of what he knew was passed down to me and I'm grateful for that. My father was just doing things that were really on a, on a scale of uh, fairly incredible from a craftsmanship perspective, and I know from talking to many of you, you've got uh, similar backgrounds and things like that. But yeah, you know, my father was a musician and artist. He was drawing, uh, you know, perspective renderings in pen and ink. This was long before any computer modeling. He was doing incredible uh, wood carvings. Um, this was before any kind of automation. He, would, uh, he did a, a female bust and um, eagles and, and uh, Corinthian capitals. And I was doing these things in his shop as a kid. Who even knows what the hell Corinthian capitals even are? I knew what a Doric order column was before I got into middle school. Fascinating, right? I understood architectural pr- proportion before I hit high school. Fascinating. And I got all that from my father. And I, I could go into all But my father, he was an outdoorsman. He was a physical guy. He, he would be up at 4 in the morning. You know what the first thing he did every day? Had a cup of coffee because that's all he drank. I don't think he ever I – wouldn't, I wouldn't put, you know, taking care of himself on the high. But he, he, he kind of does. He's still kicking. he still give most people a little run for their money. I don't know. He'd have a cup of coffee and he would Read. He would read for a good hour or so, read and meditate. Uh, you know, he could well. He forged his own carving in other words, We're carving these things. we're trying to we're doing a lot of it in his shop. and uh, he made his own duplicator. I've talked about some of this stuff before. I'm not going to go through it all again. Just to suffice to say that you know I, I grew up with a, a true craftsman going out in the woods and, and and cutting down a piece of wood and turning it into something. In uh, You know, cutting firewood to, to stay warm in the winter. And uh, these are good things. I want to share a little story with you. This one's not mine. I have another side to my growing up, real quick, before I tell you the story. And uh, it was actually before I moved with my father. My parents were divorced. You know, come from a, a chaotic split family, one of those stories. And elementary school... I grew up with my mother and my two older brothers who have a different father. <laughs> lots of lots of stuff going. I know lots of moving parts here. Just stay with me. But we lived on a, on a just on the edge of Philadelphia actually lived in Philadelphia for a while and then on the edge of Philadelphia, in a little town called West Country Hocken. And back then the gray water used to flow in the streets. I mean this was, you know, a pretty rough, pretty rough place. But I wouldn't say rough, but not a high income place. Matter of fact, it was poor enough to qualify for HUD funding to come through and make improvements to the homes, including the one that we were living in. We were below the income threshold. My mother, that uh, with her three boys, that we qualified for HUD funding to make improvements to our house. Isn't that incredible? And my mother worked her tail feathers off uh, to support us, and uh, you know we certainly got enough to eat. But it was, it was uh, definitely what I would say, not wealthy. How's that? And I never thought of myself as, as poor. I, wouldn't, I even still don't really look at that, you know, when you look at other people's situations where they, they don't have food in the house. But there was some tough times, you know, and I only ever had one pair of shoes growing up. Only I remember uh, fifth grade maybe, fourth grade, I don't know. West Country Hawkins got these big hills, and we would ride on our bellies down the skateboard. These are big hills. Not by West Coast standards, but steep hills. We'd lay on our bellies and ride our skateboards down and uh, drag our feet to stop. It was nuts what we were doing, really. Well, I wore my shoes out like in one day, and my mother came home from work. Boy, was she upset. Had to take me out and get me a new pair of shoes. That night, because no other option all we had. Let me share this little story for you, not my own. I think it'll kind of lay the groundwork for what I'm about to say here. One day, a very wealthy father took his son on a trip to the country for the sole purpose of showing his son how it was to be poor. They spent a few days and nights on the farm of what what would be considered a very poor family. After their return from the trip, The father asked his son how he liked the trip. It was great, Dad, the son replied. Do you see how poor people can be, the father asked. Oh, yeah, said the son. So what did you learn from the trip, asked the father. The son answered, I saw that we have one dog. They had four. We have a pool that reaches to the middle of our garden. They have a creek that has no end. We have imported lanterns in our garden. They have the stars at night. Our patio reaches to the front yard. They have the whole horizon. We have a small piece of land to live on. They have fields that go beyond our sight. We have servants who serve us, but they serve others. We buy our food, but they grow theirs. We have walls around our property to protect us. They have friends to protect them. The boy's father was speechless. Then his son added, It showed me just how poor we really are. Amazing perspective when you think about that, right? When you step back and think, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately as my daughter. Seems to have the same addiction to being outside as me. And, you know, she she enjoys her, you know, Saturday morning PJ time on the sofa, don't get me wrong. She likes to be outside. She likes to be bouncing around. There's just something to be said for that. That connection that we have with the dirt. And people people look at me like I'm weird. Or I say I like to work. I like to be dirty. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You realize what you're missing out on. You realize what you're giving up sitting in that cube, that room in front of that screen. Give you know, the gift of sunlight. Take it away for two days, and you tell me how important it is. Crazy. That's just one example. I think there's just so much that it opens up. So, what do we really need? And what do we really want? When you look at this, let me give you some of the the headlines here. A recession now likely in 2023. Uh, four ways House Republicans want to reshape the economy. I'm hoping to talk about that a little bit more here. Feds say $45 billion in, in pandemic unemployment money was likely stolen. We'll talk more about that too. Uh, futures flat following another day of losses after the Fed rate hike. They're going to raise them again. Americans have lost $4,200 in income under Biden, wiping out all the Trump gains. It's what they wanted. Democrats do not want to increase the wealth of the nation. Kerry says the Inflation Reduction Act is amazing, but not sure how it reduces inflation. Uh, climate change, the number one threat to our survival. The Epic Times says water quality. I want to talk about that a little bit, too. Fresh water. What are you going to do? All this technology and progress and, and, and nasty water, right? Airline ticket prices might increase. Harder to see your friends and family over the holidays. 87,000 new IRS agents. What does that do for us? 80,000 high-priced jobs. What could they do if they focused on feeding poor people? Instead of extracting more money out of good, good, hardworking people. It's amazing, really. Pennsylvania raising the income threshold for food stamps. I view that as mostly good. War and inflation knocked the world economy off balance. I find it funny that government and politicians are in a fantastic business where when something goes wrong, they blame the customer, they blame you, Uh, or they blame something else. Why are we having this inflation? Uh, uh, The war, the pandemic, is that right? Is there any point in the investors, the price gouging, Saudis, the oil, whatever they want to blame it on, how about mismanagement? How about failure to plan? You never hear it discussed even. Why is that? I have another thing I want to talk, talk about. I told you we're going to kind of go topic by topic deep. Wait till we get to the elections. Wait till I talk to you about my uh, in-kind donations and the media in this country. We've got a massive class action lawsuit brewing here. I hope there's a, an attorney or somebody connected to one that's listening to this. We the people need to file a class action lawsuit against all the major social media media companies to sue them for their failure to report their in-kind donations to the Democrat Party. I'll talk about that more this week. It's a huge idea. You'll never hear anybody else, anywhere else. And it's a combination of being doing this podcast and my involvement in local politics that allows me to, to share that kind of perspective. But back to my point here governments always going to blame you. Well, the fact of the matter is, we talk about this thing called personal responsibility. And we know the games that these rockheads are going to play, that the inflation should be no secret. You know, I've had so many venomous arguments when I say, "Well, Trump contributed to inflation." <laughs> sure he did what well, you think you're, what you no 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 you can print money this way what, what, It there was a different ink what, tell me the difference printing money fiat money produces inflation it's just a matter of how much how fast i don't disagree that the value should be linked to something but it's not trump a record amount of spending and then you come biden's going to come in and spend more and you're surprised bush set a record uh, biden uh, 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 what's his name obama Obama and Michael, they beat that one. Now you got uh, – then Trump beat that one. Now Biden's going to beat that one. It's a house of cards. It's a pyramid scheme. Doesn't matter if, – if Trump was president, you would still see record spending. And you'd say, "Oh, well, it has nothing to do with inflation. Really? Forbes says that the global economy likely headed into a recession. Fascinating stuff, really, right? What do you do about it? Well, we'll get to that. Ways that you can actually take advantage of a recession. As I looked at this list, I found this to be pretty useful. I've leveraged my position. I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Let me monitor my time here. I said we'd go long. Let me see what we we'll do here. I'm going to try and manage my time. It's <laughs> another one of my goals here, going to manage my time a little bit better. It is important, I think. If you're presenting something, presenting an idea. So uh, a recession now likely in 2023. I think we're already in one. If they're saying it's coming, it means that we're in it. It means, you know, the damage is done. Uh, Democrats want to push us through the midterms. They're flushing money down as fast as they can. Grant requirements being relaxed. Application, right? Just get the money out there, whatever they can do. Don't ruffle any feathers. Uh, fake everybody out into thinking that everything's hunky dory. <laughs> yeah, you just wait. The election's in November. Wait, wait till January, and, and then you tell me how great things are. We'll see. So then Republicans say they want to reshape it. I'm not even reading this. I was talking to a friend that was very excited about this. You know, they they uh, they threw out they threw out the term contract with America. That's uh, you know that was going around. Remember that. Yeah. I forget. There have been a few uh, neat little terms that Republicans have come up with uh, that where they've taken over these majorities, and you know what they've managed to do with it? Nothing. And I don't blame that on the good Republicans. I blame it on the rhinos, many of them. I don't want to get roped into that. It'll get us off, off point. My point to you is this. I wouldn't put faith in a single election. We're going to take back the House. Great. That's good. I, I agree. Vote Republican. Hope that we can take back the House and and return some kind of normalcy. I don't know if that will happen or not, if that's the way we vote, but this lunacy that's going on now has to come under control. Who knows? Good. So we take back the House. What does that mean? Squat. right. Maybe you get uh, a couple seats in the Senate or something. I don't know. And so maybe uh, in two years we have a full-on majority like we did when Trump started. What did they manage to do when, when they had the full majority? They cut taxes. Phenomenal. That was about it. It was about all that got done. This this pitting of the parties is like this uh, predetermined civil war, really, and that's another little problem. In addition to the fiat money with a ve- currency value that's been politicized. Do you understand what that means? It means they're going to inflate the money, devalue your money, and, and take that value – and give it to other people. This is the great wealth uh, redistribution. This is what Obama talked about. They don't need to raise taxes. The Fed's taking in a record revenue. Record revenue. They don't need to raise taxes. They're not even talking about it, really. They will. Don't you worry. The minute revenues drop. Let me touch on this. Uh, well, I started to say about these up and downs in the economy. And you say, well, you know, is it due to, what's it due to? I blame it largely on the fiat money, but also just the wild mismanagement of government. You know, why aren't we preparing and doing real tangible things like clean drinking water? You know, as opposed to the social, woke, they're all liberal programs. Every social program is a liberal program. There's no conservative social programs. Uh, your conservative programs would be caring, uh, you know, hospital medical care, uh, caring for the elderly or the disabled, but it's not a social program that, that the way that the liberals do it, right? Not really. The taking care of the poor, take, you provide basic necessities. I do agree with it largely in a modern society. We should be uh, charitable and taking care of disadvantaged people. And there's always going to be a problem with that where lazy people will sneak into that. But whose responsibility is it ultimately? We know the rules of the game. We know what's happening. It didn't come as a surprise. We have to prepare. And so what do you do? What do you do regardless of what stage of your life you're in? How do you, how do you prepare for these nutty economic cycles? And I've been through a few of them now. So, you know, I've got a little experience with this. Growing up in, in the, the recession of the 70s, I don't know what you call it in the 80s. Was that a recession? The interest rates were through the roof. Couldn't get gas in the 70s. When I got out of the Marine Corps, there was the savings and loan crisis, the housing recession, they called it. That was the, the field that I was looking to get into. That was problematic. I leveraged that, though. Uh, What else? I think the early 2000s, the Great Recession. So there's been a few of these economic cycles. And when I was growing up and, you know, looking at people that had things that we didn't, many times my father as a cabinet maker, working would go into these expensive homes, you know, professionals, doctors, lawyers. It seemed so mystical at that time to me as a kid. Oh, a lawyer. Crazy the way we, we looked at those things. We'd be going into their homes and 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 doing this uh, this woodwork, and I'd be helping my father. And I guess in the back of my mind, I, I loved my upbringing. I was the one playing in the creek. I was the one. I, I remember this big farm we were on out in Downingtown, and it was during the '70s when you couldn't get gas. And I remember walking, thinking about how uh, these greedy people, you know, won't won't uh, you know, are creating this problem. I understood this even as a kid. And I didn't care because I said, you know, we're out here, and we've got horses, and we can walk, and we have everything we need right here. We, we, were, we just didn't care. Burning wood for heat, we did just fine. In fact, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun, really. It was work, but it was fun. And so I know that. But I guess in the back of my mind, I always thought, you know what, why do we have to, to suffer during these times? Why is it us? Well, it doesn't have to be. You know, that's not completely, but largely a choice, right? Now, things happen. You know, you may have a disability, and I've talked about all these things. But outside of that, right, if you're able-bodied and and can work and can think, you have the ability to manage your finances. And uh, I, don't know, I just won't go in any particular order. One is multiple streams of income. And... And to some people, say, oh, I'm not going to start a business. Well, maybe you bake cookies. Maybe you do some sewing. Maybe you cut grass. Uh, maybe you do snow removal. Maybe you do babysitting. Whatever it is that you do, you do a little side job of it. And that's your gravy money right there. It also provides you with a little cushion. You see what I'm saying? And uh, there's a benefit to that. That's just one little idea. But largely, you got to think think for the future and think where is your exposure. Right now, you know, I've talked about the debt. I mean, I can tell you the biggest thing with every recession, every downturn. The people, they it's like musical chairs. And when the music stops, you know, so there's not enough chairs for everybody. And that's where the bankruptcies come in. Well, you don't go bankrupt if you don't have any debt. Right? If there's no debtors, there's no bankruptcy. If you own everything free and clear, unless it's a tax situation, uh, you don't go bankrupt. Right. And so the key is understanding when and what kind of money to borrow and when and what kind of borrowing to stay away from. Anything adjustable rate, I'm going to tell you, it's just a bad, bad idea. It really is. I bought my first house on an adjustable rate mortgage, and ended up working out okay. But uh, it was really nerve wracking. It was really you know the idea was to get it. Uh, what was the scenario there? Uh, twice I did this. I didn't. I couldn't verify my income because I wasn't working on a W two. I had a business, and so in order to get the interest rates a little more bearable at those times. When I bought my second house. Uh, Well, I think I paid 11% interest on that thing. Now, that was high even at that time, but that was because I couldn't verify my income. And so I bought that, and I refinanced it a year later at seven and an eighth. And that was a big bargain at that time. And I kept that for a long time. Finally, I refinanced that house reluctantly, uh, somewhere around 4.5%, which I thought, geez, these are the lowest you'll ever see. And then, lo and behold, when we bought this house, we were under three percent. Isn't that crazy? And uh, we actually, when we were buying this house, uh, we could have we could have put more down, but felt that you know some of that money was better, um, you know, uh, saved and, and used for other purposes because the interest rate was so low. And uh, interesting, right? But now I see people buying now at these overinflated values. You got to be really careful with that. There's a couple of great things here in this uh, article here I put in the show notes. Some rich information if you want to check it out. Um, lower your average cost in buying stocks. This is an interesting write-up. You can check that out. Maybe if you're a little older than me, your position's a little bit different. Picking up cheap dividends. I have a friend that does. They like, buy dividend stocks. And when stocks go down, all of a sudden those dividends, they may be going up. Like, say, uh, Pico here, Philadelphia Electric Company. Uh, I have a buddy of mine that's uh, pretty heavy into Pico stock. It's a dividend stock. He does well with it. Buying index funds. You can read about this if you don't know what that is. Boost your emergency savings. We're doing this as a family right now. Wait for lower interest rates. I kind of already talked about that. You can actually benefit from it. Uh, I saw the inflation coming, and, and we, uh, we we planned heavily, I told you, stocking up on everything we could. I want to talk real quick about this stolen uh, unemployment money. It's wrong. It's as wrong as the uh, as this so-called loan college loan forgiveness. It's taking money from other people. It's immoral. It's going to destroy the country. The founding fathers talked about it. When people can vote money out of the Treasury, we're in big trouble. This stolen money accounts for $138 for every man, woman, and child in this country. So we are paying for it. If the politicians really wanted to do something about it, here's what they do right now, very simply. They could fire this through quickly. Pass a bill, $100,000 fine, 10 years imprisonment. Give a uh, grace period, I don't know, through the end of the year. You've got through the end of the year to contact uh, whoever it is that's handling this and turn yourself in and come up with a payment plan. Are you going to go to jail for 10 years. It does a lot of damage to the country. We can't allow it to go on, all right? Think about it, the economy, and what you can do. I want to mention this real quick before we wrap this up. Um, and I, by the way, I don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of doomsday predictions out there. There always are. Uh, but we are certainly in a turbulent period. I would I would seriously plan ahead financially, practically, physically, spiritually, emotionally, everything you can do. And speaking of which, I want to recommend this. As a guy who struggles with back issues, and I've been doing really well for the past couple of years uh, as far as pain goes, my chiropractor is absolutely awesome, has kept me in good shape. Uh, there have been times I couldn't get out of bed. I've ended up in the emergency room. Just can be very debilitating, and uh, he's kept me from any of that. But now I'm actually feeling good. I'm actually trying to improve my mobility, and I do a lot of the dead hangs, just hanging on a pull-up bar. I'm not doing the pull-ups right now. I'll probably do some soon, but uh, right now I'm just hanging for as long as I can. Sometimes I use uh, wrist straps. But uh, I did this stretch. I did a good morning. Do you know what a good morning is? You basically just stand up. I put this walking stick on my back with my hands kind of in, like in a yoke and just bend forward at a 90-degree angle, which, believe it or not, keeping my legs straight is kind of tough for me. You know, that's how, how limited my mobility is. Uh, and then you twist. I twist um, and look up as high as I can and, and hold that. And then do it the other way. Well, I'll tell you, boy, it's just a very satisfying stretch. I don't know if that stretch is good for you. I've told you I'm not a doctor. Be careful if you've got uh, serious back issues. I can tell you it's just been so – I'm adding it to my repertoire. Every day I try to hang. I probably end up doing it four to five days a week, to be honest. But my goal is every day I do dead hangs multiple times a day try to bend down, touch my toes, stretch my hamstrings out, and I do bodyweight squats. There's a uh, list of great 11 simple yoga twists you can do here for spinal mobility. uh, If you're interested in checking it out, I'll tell you, I think it has a lot to do with overall health, your mood, your emotional health, and so forth. And uh, it's worth investing in yourself no matter what you do. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, make it a great day.